Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Something Podcast. I am Michael Stewart. And I am Kim Stewart. And we're your hosts. And today we are ready to talk about our topic. And our topic this week is... Serial killers! Serial killers. Yeah. I would like I'm really to excited put, about this. Yes. I would like to put a um, little uh, warning for this episode. Uh, some of the, the things are, are quite graphic for my, my person. And so just you know, heads Mine up. Mine too. It's going to get a little, uh, <laughs> a little messed up. Yeah. So trigger warning. Yeah, same. Mine is is pretty pretty graphic. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to go first? Sure. I have I have notes. Ugh. Hold on. Let me pull them up. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. Okay. Let me get them. All right. So my serial killer that I I like the most is um good old Edmund Kemper. Ooh. Or Big Ed. Or the co-ed killer. Ooh, chilling. So let's kick it way back. So good old Ed, who was actually still alive, um, was born December 18th, 1941, I believe. Now I feel like that's wrong now that I've just said that out loud. Hold on. I thought it was... Oh, it is. It's wrong. It's 48. Sorry. December 18th, 1948. Okay. That's what I thought. Great. Um, He is listed as a serial killer, rapist, and necrophile. Which we'll get into. Ooh. Uh, yes, his his current claim to fame is he murdered six college women, also his mother, and his mother's best friend, and also his paternal grandparents. So Eddie's <sighs> got a lot going on. Um, it's a mm-hmm. lot. But he's, right. he's he's just very interesting. So anyway, so he was born um a very large child. He was thirteen pounds when he was born. Oh like, my god. I know. I don't know why that's important or why that matters at all, but I feel like yeah, that's right. Because that's huge. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge baby. Um and when he was younger, he 100% showed an affinity for cruelty to animals. Uh even oh, bur- yeah. burying his family cat alive. And then Oh my god. When it was dead, he unburied it and put its little head on a spike. And then as a second grader, he would sneak out of his house with his father's bayonet and go stand outside of his teacher's house and watch her. What would he do with the bayonet? I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess if he got the chance, he was going to kill her. I don't know. He's eight. Okay. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And then, so he he was close to his father, but his mother was, like, super abusive, which, like, they all are. And she literally refused to show him affection because she was afraid it would turn him gay. Right. Of course. As, as it does. Mm-hmm. So at 15 years old, he was already 6'4", which is very tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but his mother would lock him in the basement to sleep because he was, she was afraid that he would hurt his sisters. So, you know, there's that. Uh, and then his, his parents split. But he, at 15, ran away to find his dad and, like, wanted to live with him. Um, But his dad ended up abandoning him on Christmas Day. So he killed his grandparents at 15. Okay, so 
he killed them because his father abandoned him or what? Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure on that one. I don't know. I, you know, he, it was already showing that like terrible affinity to animals and yeah, I don't know. I guess he was like sitting at the kitchen table with like his grandma and they got in like an argument. So he stormed off and like went and got a rifle that his grandpa had given him for hunting. But they like they took it away from him because he would like shoot animals unnecessarily. But I guess he like walked back in with it and like shot her in the head. (laughs) Uh, And then like I guess his grandma's last words were like, oh, you better not be shooting the birds again. Ma'am, I think that's the least of your troubles. <laughs> you better hope Damn. he's shooting the birds again. Damn. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I guess like some accounts say that he like stabbed her with a kitchen knife too. Um, but and then like his grandpa after was, she was dead. Yeah, his grandpa was gone from the house, but he, when he got back, he like met him in the driveway and shot him too. So, you know, what year was this? Fifties was nineteen sixty four. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like Yikes. after he killed them, he didn't know what to do. So he called the cops and just waited for them to come and take him. Right. So then what happened? Um. So they arrested him and they asked him like, you know, why he did it. And he said, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma. You know, normal, normal teen things. Just, just girl, girl oh, things. We've all had those thoughts. Yeah. So he was imprisoned, obviously. And he was institutionalized. And they, um, like, diagnosed him with, like, paranoid schizophrenia, which, like, sure, you know. And then they institutionalized him until he was 21. And then they just were like, yeah, you're good. You're good. He can go away. Because he had done so well at convincing his psychiatrists that he was, like, rehabilitated that they were like, yeah, yeah, you're good. Like, fly free. Like, good job. And he was like, yep, Uh good, good for me. Because he was smart. Like, he was so... Like, he's genius. Like, they had him tested. Like, he's genius level. Like, smart man. So, anyway. So, then he gets out at 21, right? And, like, pretty much as soon as he's released, he starts killing college college girls. Um, he, I guess, had, like... Like, was driving this, like, really cool car at the time that he had gotten with some settlement money from another accident... And he noticed that there was just, like, a lot of girls, like, walking around. And he was, like, like hitchhiking. He always picked up hitchhikers. So he was, like, sure, like, let me just put some plastic bags and some knives in my car. Just, just like, in case, right? Like, just in case. Normal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Totally normal. Um, yeah. And so then he started killing. But what I think is really interesting is that he had convinced his, like, psychiatrists and, like, the judges and stuff so much that he was, like, good like they expunged his record like so there's, oh wow yeah i'm like what the hell? oh i didn't know that yeah yeah they um they completely huh. expunged his record and yeah so he was like permanently expunged so anyway Great. okay so, so he gets his car and he starts noticing all the beautiful hitchhiking ladies right so then he's like let me just pick up a few and murder them uh, he murders six of them, actually. And also, he was engaged at this time. Isn't that interesting? So, wait a minute. What was his actual motive? He just liked to kill? 
Mm-hmm. Um, he also liked to um, have sex with their bodies and huh. body parts. Is, does any of it relate back to the cruelty his mother showed him? Probably well, we'll get we'll get there. <laughs> okay, okay. I think and we'll get ahead had, of it. I think he just had like an affinity for like murder, like uh, just killing people. He wanted to. I don't know. Anyway, so he went on in like an eleven-month murder spree, and he killed five college students, one high school student, and during this mm. time is when he killed his mother and his mother's best friend. Yeah, so he was you know he, he was busy. Eddie was busy. So, what's interesting? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> what are you doing tonight, Ed? Well, funny you. It's been unseemly to say it that way, but okay. <laughs> right. So anyway, well, he when he goes to kill his mom, which I don't actually think he, he like went there to kill her. Mm-hmm. But this is where it gets pretty, uh, pretty graphic. So he like him and his mother did not have a good relationship. She was incredibly abusive, like, verbally, emotionally. Like, she would just always, like, tell him horrible things, like, I don't know, like, just just abusive things. Like, he, she would lock him in a basement with the rats. Like, you can't, you can't, yeah. you can't, can't do that and expect your kid to, like, be like, no, nah, I'm normal. Like, that's not, <laughs> you can't do that. So right. anyway, so I guess, like, the night that he killed her, which was... April 20th, 1973, he, like, went into... <gasps> That's somebody's birthday. I know, it's our dad's. Uh, he, <laughs> oops, went into her room, like, at night. She was, like, reading a book, and she was like, I suppose you're going to want to sit up and talk all night now, huh? And he was like, no, good night, and left. So then when he was asleep, she came back into her room and bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and then slit her throat. And then decapitated her. And then had sex with her severed head. And then he used it as a dartboard. And he put her on a shelf and screamed at her for an hour and threw darts at it and eventually just smashed her face in. And then, here's here's the fun kicker, he cut out her larynx and her tongue and put them in the garbage disposal. But the garbage disposal couldn't grind them up. And so it like ejected it back out. And he even said how that seemed appropriate because as much as she bitched and screamed and yelled over so many years, like, of course, it couldn't break that all up. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so, he, so he kills her. Um, yeah, probably because he, one, had already killed people. But like, okay, like also, can we go back to that for a second? How do you just have your, like, record expunged from murdering your grandparents? I don't know. Just man. Cause. The 70s and 60s were weird. T- There's a couple of things in my in my case, too, that I'm like, really? So weird. So anyway, after he kills her, he puts her, <laughs> the bottom half of her body, I guess, in a closet. And then he went to a bar. Uh-huh. And then, like, when he came back home he invited his mother's best friend over because he needed a like cover story so he invited her over and strangled her so that he could say that they had gone on vacation together Mm-hmm. Yeah. okay yeah so that he could have you know some time anyway 
So anyway, he ended up like leaving, and there was a huge manhunt for him. I think that's the last person he killed was his mom and her friend. But yeah, and and he turned himself in. So I guess it was like a huge, like nationwide manhunt for him, and he turned himself in. And when an interviewer asked him like why. He said the original purpose was gone. It wasn't serving any physical or real emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at that point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it all off. <laughs> so basically, he just got tired of, he got bored with murder. No, no, he got bored with running. Ah, yes. Yeah. I, yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, he was like, I'm over it. Like, let's just go. So anyway. So, Interesting. Yeah. I Also, like, apparently he engaged in some cannibalism, too, um, and, like, made some into a casserole. You know, I don't know. Oh, he, how versatile. Yeah. But, like, I guess later he recanted that statement. But I feel like saying you made, like, a human casserole is pretty detailed to, like, recant later. Well, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So he was obviously arrested and went to prison. Clearly. I'll pause here. Do you have any questions before we get into his later in life? Uh, no. The this is all good. Any any feelings you're having about this situation? A lot of this stuff I knew, but I'm I'm learning oh, okay. some new information. Okay, well, we'll continue. So he was arrested, obviously, because you have to. Um, He asked for the death penalty, and he wanted death by torture. But when he was arrested, California um, had, like, placed a moratorium on capital punishment. And so... Uh, Of course they did. They didn't have the death penalty anymore. So instead, they put him in the California Medical Facility, which also, at the same time, housed Charles Manson... And Herbert Mullen. Who's you, Herbert Mullen? He was an American serial killer who killed 13 people in California. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's not important. Right. But apparently, Eddie hated him. And he felt like he just, like, killed willy-nilly for, like, no reason. And he didn't like that. Um, and I have a quote. Let me find it. Good old Eddie. We love... <laughs> A little serial killer yeah. um, beef going on. Yeah. He hated um, Mullen because he described him as just a cold-blooded killer killing everybody he saw for no good reason. <laughs> also, at this well, point... Well, but th- that's kind of the way that he was, too. Yeah. He didn't really have a... He just kind of killed for... I feel like he probably thought he had a reason. Also, at this point, he is 6'9". I feel like that's important to mention. That's huge. 6'9". He's got to be, like, at least 250. Yeah, probably. But also, like, like okay, like, this Yikes. is how smart he is. So, like, I guess Mullen had, like, a habit of singing and, like, bothering people when they were watching TV. So Ed Kemper threw water on him. And then when he was good, he would give him peanuts because he liked peanuts. And he was saying that it was effective because pretty soon he would ask, like, Ed's permission to sing. And Ed Kimber is, like, like on record saying, and that's called behavior modification treatment. Sir. So he basically <laughs> trained this man like a dog. Yeah. 
because he's so smart. Like, uh-huh. anyway, like he is still um, in prison today. He's in the general population. He is up for parole in 2024. Um, he was up for parole in 2017, but they denied him. Which, like, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, Probably for the best. Right, yeah. right. But also he, like, has since then... Like, he helped start the, um, like, FBI profiler, like, program because he's so smart mm-hmm. and he was, he's just, like, so open about, like, why he killed people that he was like, yeah, sure, I'll help. Why not? Um, he's done, like, several documentaries, you know, like, Netflix or, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of things. Um, and, like, his interviews have like, contributed to understanding serial killers' minds because he's mm-hmm. he's one just like brilliant um and very forthcoming yeah wow yeah and 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 he said like he he wants to participate in in those interviews and stuff to keep others like him from killing like i, I don't know like he's likable and i hate that he's so likable <laughs> so annoying well so how many people did he end up killing 10 10 Six co-eds, his grandparents, his, his mother, and his and friend. His friend. Her, mm-hmm. her friend. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, it's not really that high of a body count, but, that, but it just goes to show that, like, he was v- pretty vicious and cruel. And, I mean, all the stuff he did after the fact, it's pretty, pretty chilling. Right. And, Yeah. But it's, like, it's also interesting, too. I didn't say this. I never actually say this. But he, like, made friends. Like, he wanted to be a cop. But he couldn't, he couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. And he would just be friends with cops instead. But it's, like, it's so interesting. Because he, on one of his murders, he, like, confessed that, like, while he was handcuffing his victim, who was already dead, by the way, like, he brushed the back. Um, like his hand brushed like the like her her boob, and he was embarrassed. And so like to her dead body, he was like, "I'm sorry, for grazing her breast, even though he killed her." Well, and it's not like he hadn't sexually assaulted a, a corpse before. So why was he all of a sudden bashful? Oh wait, maybe she was still. Oh, she was alive. He was apologizing to her for accidentally grazing her boob as he was about to kill her. Weird. Right? Like it's 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 so interesting. So it's almost like they were they were too human when they were still alive, and once he killed them, he was free to kind of explore his darker tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, the high schooler that he kidnapped, like, he drove her to a remote area, and he pulled a gun on her, but then he accidentally locked himself out of the car, and she let him back in. That's crazy. I, I had heard that. That's crazy. I wonder how, but that just goes to show how smart he is. Yeah. How manipulative he was. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I think he just really, I think he really liked killing. I know that's uh, oof. horrible, but like, I think he, he did. Oh, that's so chilling. Yeah. And, and I think he was also like really interested in like bodies in general. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. That was good. Yeah, and I feel like we should say their names because, you know, we should say their names. Yeah, say them. So his grandparents were named Maud 
That was Maud Matilda was his mother, his grandmother's name. And his father, his grandfather was Edmund Kemper. And then, oh yeah, he's Edmund Kemper III, by the way. So his dad is also Edmund Kemper, who just left the family, by the way. I don't, I don't know that I mentioned that. Um, okay, and then the six women he killed, we have Mary Ann and Anita. We have mm-hmm. Ico, Cindy, Rosalind and Allison, his mother, Clarnell, and Sally, her friend. R.I.P. So I find it really interesting that he, with like his murders, one, never denied them, and two, was like a brilliant genius. And then three was like, yeah. man, yeah, I'll tell you what it's like to be a serial killer. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, there's yeah. a show on Netflix called Mindhunter. I don't know how valid it is, but it seems pretty valid. So anyway, that's mine. That was great. Um, I, I do want to just say, so a serial killer is defined as someone who kills three or more people with a cooling off period in between. Um, there's also an interesting phenomena as it's known as the triad between serial killers where there's, uh, a lot of them share these, these three common things. One of them is bedwetting, cruelty to animals, and a head injury or like head trauma. Did Ed Kemper have any of those? Uh, cruelty to animals. Cruelty to animals, yes. yes. I don't know about, sorry, my mic is like all wonky. I don't know about the bedwetting. Did he have a head injury? He, oh, he did have two near death experiences. Oh. Yeah. Any of those so, head related? Probably. The one was when his sister almost shoved him in front of a train. And then the other one was he almost drowned because she threw him into the deep end. So maybe. Thank you for letting me know about uh, Ed Kemper. Okay, so are you ready to hear about my serial killer that I've chosen? You don't really know a lot about this case, do you? No, not really. I think I just know what like everybody else knows. Right. Well, there's the you know the obvious. He was a, a necrophile, a cannibal. He he murdered gay men predominantly are you gonna say who well it is? only only gay men oh yes oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> buried the lead there uh my killer that i have chosen is jeffrey dahmer oh i know snaps for and jeffrey. i chose this one be- <laughs> but we don't we don't snap for jeffrey. well well he's dead so we don't yeah <laughs> spoiler alert he's dead um this was the, kind of the very first serial killer that i was made aware of and this is kind of what sparked my interest in what makes someone want to do do this and it's it's, he's he's in a very interesting case okay so jeffrey dahmer was an american serial killer and sex offender born on may 21st 1960 between the years of 1978 and 1991 dahmer murdered 17 men in horrific fashion uh from an early age, he showed interest in dismemberment of animals, and he asked his father one time during dinner what would happen if they put the bones from the chicken that they were eating in a bleach solution. So his father was a chemist, and when Jeffrey brought this up, he, his father got really excited because he thought, oh, he's showing an interest in you know scientific method. This is great. Little did he no. know he was going to use this later in life. Yeah. Wrong. Um, so he may have been interested in science, dad, but not for that reason. 
Yeah. Well, he he did he used those skills to to later. Okay, but we'll get into it. <laughs> Okay. Um, his, his mother was also a hypochondriac and she was, she was, a, we don't know what that's, like. she sort of abandoned him. I mean, shut up. She was like really a hypochondriac. And so he felt a lot of abandonment issues from his mother. So he began drinking at an early age, probably in an attempt to cope with his budding homosexual feelings because, you know, 1969, 1970, yeah, that was still really wasn't very accepted. So he would hide, he would actually hide booze in his jacket, in the lining of his jacket. And he would drink at school. He would just get alcoholic. wasted at school. But the weird thing is, he was a good student. He he had a B average. That's I mean, a good. All things, alcoholic. All, right, all things relative. Um, and he was always polite to... to the teachers. And he, he was kind of a class clown... So he did, you know, get in trouble for things like that. But by and large, he was still a, a decent student. He So he had fantasies about, what, as he was kind of discovering his sexuality, he started to have these weird fantasies about rendering a man unconscious and then just kind of exploring his body. You see, his whole thing was he wanted to possess someone and he wanted someone to never leave him. Mm-hmm. So he his fantasies often included just being near a person. And just being able to touch them and explore them. And there was actually a hitchhiker. No, sorry. There was a jogger that used to jog by this road where his parents lived. And every day he would watch this jogger. And one day he decided he was going to go out and actually beat this guy over the head with a bat and subdue him and take him inside and kind of do whatever he, you know, explore his body or whatever. And on the day he was going to do it was like the one day that this jogger decided to go a different route and it saved his life. Isn't that crazy? This is why we don't run. <laughs> this is why we don't jog, guys. Mm-hmm. Think think, ne- think twice next time before you go on a hike. So think let's talk about Dahmer's like. first victim. His first victim was a man named Stephen Hicks who was hitchhiking to a concert. Dahmer picked him up and offered to take him back to his father's house so they could drink some beers because Hicks was on his way to a concert. But when Hicks decided to leave, Dahmer hit him in the back of the head with a 10-pound dumbbell. Hmm. Um, He then fondled the body, uh, masturbated over it, and then strangled him to death. He then... uh, dissected, dissolved, and pulverized the remains, scattering them throughout the backyard. Ugh. He later, I know, he, so he would, he would, that's where the, the bone solution comes in when he would, he was interested about taking the, the meat off of the bones. He would fillet his victims. Like he would get all the meat and stuff off the bones, put the bones in a sheet, hit the bones with a hammer, pulverize them, and then scatter them all over the place. And then just dump the rest in a trash can. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, this is Wisconsin in, like, the 70s, so there wasn't a lot going on out there. Not like this, anyway. Um, interestingly enough, nine years would pass before his he killed again. And during that time, he he got some pressure to join the army from his dad, who thought it would give him some more structure. Uh, spoiler alert, it didn't. It just increased his alcohol abuse, and he was actually discharged in uh, 1981. So he came back to Wisconsin and lived with his grandmother 
and by 1985, he was frequenting gay bathhouses where he would drug and rape men as they lay unconscious. And during this time, he was arrested twice for incidents of indecent exposure and sexual abuse, but he only faced proba- probation and he was never charged for rape. And this just kind of goes to show the criminal justice system at the time was really turning a blind eye to issues of the LGBTQ because they, they didn't really want to deal with it. They kind of, it was, it kind of gave them an ick factor. And so they just decided to just kind of not even deal with it. Mm-hmm. We've come so far. I know, right? So nine years after he killed his first victim, he killed again. This time it was a man named Stephen Tuomi. Uh, this was in September of 1987. So Dahmer picked him up from a bar and he took him back to his hotel room where he woke up the next morning to Tuomi's beaten dead body. He later stated that he had no memory of actual, actually murdering Tuomi, implying that he had committed the crime in some sort of blackout. And I pro- I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe this because one, he was a heavy drinker. And two, he, I mean, when he confessed to the police, he told them everything. He didn't shy away. And I mean, there were even, they even asked him about other murders that were similar. And he was like, yeah, no, I, de- I didn't do those. I definitely didn't do those. Um, unlike Henry Lee Lucas, who just confessed to everything. I do love a good serial killer who like, doesn't, like they'll give him other, other murders. He's like, no, I definitely didn't do that one. But then like, they'll give him the ones he did. And he's like, no, no, yeah, I totally did that one. Like, <laughs> Well, and he would give them graphic details of what he did. So they were like, well, obviously he's not, I mean, he's, he has no reason to lie. He just told us he did these horrible things. So he, he didn't right, do but that. Like, I feel like that makes like a, a, a good serial killer. Well, <laughs> if there is such a thing. Um, right. So after, you know, la- later on when he was caught, he, he told authorities that he only meant to drug Tuomi and, you know, explore his body because that was his thing. When you say explore his body, literally all I can think of is Your Body is a Wonderland by John Mayer. (laughs) I'm sure that's what John Mayer wanted you to think when he wrote that song. (laughs) Plot twist. That was the inspiration. Shout about the way the hair falls in your face. (laughs) You can't hear that song the same again. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So he, he... in order to dispose of Tuomi's body, he stuffed him into a large suitcase, took him back to his grandmother's house, where he proceeded to cut off all his appendages, fillet the skin, pulverize the bones, yada, yada, yada. Same tale as old as time. Okay. So. How do you from, find a blender? Oh, wait, no. I was going to say, no. He hit him with a hammer. I was going to say, how do you find a, a blender strong enough to just like pulverize some bones? He used an, an, an immersion hammer, those, uh, an immersion blender, the ones that you just put into like a big mm. pot and it just grinds yeah. everything up. So after it a lot. I bet, well, yeah, those blades stall quick. Uh, so after Tuomi, his killing occurred kind of sporadically. He killed two victims in 1988, one in 89, and four in 1990. He continued to lure unsuspecting men from bars or solicit sex workers whom he then drugged, raped, and strangled. At this point, though, Dahmer also began carrying out particularly disturbing acts with their corpse, continuing to use bodies for intercourse, taking photographs of their dismemberment, preserving with scientific precision his victim's skulls and genitalia for display, and even retaining parts for consumption. So he would cannibalize the bodies, parts of the bodies. 
Yeah, some of the, some of the stuff is, is it's pretty it's it's pretty gross. He tried what do you to think the thought process is there with cannibalism. Uh, because so for him it was all about possessing someone. So he probably did that. He consumed it so that they would always be a part of him. Sure, I don't think Eddie had that. Right, that's why your your case is so interesting for mine because and we'll t- I'll kind of get into this later, but there there are, are oftentimes serial killers fall into two different categories process killers or product killers so process killers enjoy the actual act of killing whereas product killers the killing is inconsequential to get it they have to do it in order to get what they want so for Dahmer he was a product killer he wanted the he wanted someone that would never leave so he had to kill them and he actually didn't even like to kill them he he didn't enjoy killing and that's evident because oftentimes he was drunk as fuck when he would kill these people he had to Mm. self-medicate in order to get through it okay uh but yes he would do some pretty some pretty gruesome stuff he would he kept severed heads he would cut off the penises and keep them he photographed a lot of the corpses and really awful positions it, it's fucked up if you if you want if you if you're into fucked up stuff i yeah go go check it out if not don't do it i'm good <laughs> so by the summer of 1991 Dahmer began killing around one person each week he became infatuated with the idea that he could turn his victims into zombies to act as youthful and submissive sexual partners here's where it yeah here's where it gets into it's the it's the pretty it's pretty dark stuff as if everything up to this point has been light. He used many different techniques, such as drilling holes into their skull and injecting hydrochloric acid or boiling water into their brains. Yeah. So he kind of got the idea from when they would do, when they would perform lobotomies in the early fifties and sixties uh, in order to make people more docile. He That's kind of where he got the idea of destroying parts of the frontal lobe so that he could create, a submissive partner see, see here's where a podcast lacks my face is <laughs> horrified but you can't see that but just know it's there yeah you yeah it it is horrified i you heard it here first folks kim kimberly is horrified here this is what my horrified voice sounds like Oh, There's no sound sp- because it's a podcast. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, God. I'm glad we can laugh about it. Ooh. So. I feel a little dirty. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. And it's, it, we're not done yet. Ooh. One such victim of his sadistic zombification was a 14-year-old Laotian boy named Conorak. I'm probably going to mess up his last name. Sithesmophone, but yeah, fourteen-year-old Conorak was lured into Dahmer's house with the promise of money in exchange for posing for photographs. He would use that tactic a lot. He would say, "You know, come, oh, just come take some Polaroids for me, and I'll I'll give you money or you know, sex or alcohol or drugs or whatever." Dahmer drugged Conorak, and he drilled a hole and a hole into his skull through which he injected hydrochloric acid into the frontal lobe. Konarak was able to escape, and he attempted to get help from some local sex workers, but sadly, Jeffrey was able to intercept Konarak, and he told police that Konarak was his intoxicated boyfriend. So the so there were three 
Laotian sex workers that he flagged down. He was completely naked, incoherent, trying to explain to these, and he was like bleeding from the rectum, trying to explain to these women that he was, that this happened to them. And these sex workers called 911. And there's a, it's, there's a really chilling 911 call of them being like, no, you have to get down here. This boy is, he is 14 years old and he has been sexually abused. And when the cops came, Jeffrey was there trying to get Konarak back to the house and the cops were like you know what what's going on and jeffrey said oh no this is my boyfriend yada yada well the cops followed him back to his house and they were like okay this doesn't really add up and jeffrey was like oh no look these are the polaroid pictures that we took a little bit ago and it's of conorak in his underwear he's like no look he's my boyfriend we're goofing around he's just really drunk and so the cops of course didn't want to deal with gay people so they were just kind of like Ugh. okay you go ahead whatever it's fine but do you if think they, like, these cops like now or like after the truth came out were like well i would sucks. hope so me too anyway, go ahead. but if they had just uh called it in they would have seen that he was a registered sex offender and they would have been able to you know get him regardless there was a 14 year old naked laotian boy bleeding from orifices and they still let him go with this strange man it's, yeah boyfriend or not like it's bad you've clearly abused him <laughs> it's bad it's bad it's really bad thankfully we're getting we're getting towards the end here once the police left Dahmer of course killed Konarak and dismembered him much the same way that he had his previous victims so July 22nd 1991 Dahmer lured a man named Tracy Edwards into his home with the promise of cash in exchange for sex while inside, Edwards was then forced into the bedroom by Dahmer with a butcher knife, which is a little bit not his MO. He usually would he would offer them a drink, which would be laced with sleeping pills. Is this his last kill? Well, it's his last attempt. See? You can't change it up. You uh-huh. always get caught. Yeah. Uh, so during the struggle, Edwards was able to get free and escaped out into the street where he flagged down a police car. When the police arrived at Dahmer's apartment, they entered the bedroom to find the pictures of dead bodies and dismembered limbs that allowed them to finally place Dahmer under arrest. Not only that, but one of his victims was still there, decomposing. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And uh, let's see here. Oh, sorry. Again, my face, my disgust face sounds like this. Horrifying. (laughs) Just horrified. Once again, it's a podcast. You can't hear it. If if raised eyebrows could make a sound, they would be screaming right now. Screaming. Screaming. So further investigation into the home led them to find a severed head in the refrigerator, three more severed heads throughout the apartment, multiple photographs of victims, and more human remains in the refrigerator. A total of seven <gasps> skulls were found in his apartment, as well as a human heart in the freezer. There was also an altar he had constructed with candles and human skulls in the closet. But uh, funnily enough, those skulls weren't real because he couldn't ever figure out how to dry. He tried to dry out one of the skulls in the oven and it exploded. So he could never really figure out how to preserve a a skull. So he had fake ones. Um, Sure. uh, Okay. I know. Okay. I know. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a piece of work. After being taken into custody, Dahmer confessed and began divulging the gruesome details of his crime to the authorities. So, Dahmer was indicted on 15 murder charges, and the trial began on January 30th, 1992. 
He was sentenced to 15 life terms for a total of 957 years in prison. And in May of the same year, he entered a guilty plea for the murder of the first victim, Stephen Hicks, and received an additional life sentence. He tried to originally plead insanity, but they saw through it. They were like, yeah, no, we know you're sane. I mean, saying what's, you know, that's all things relative. During his time in prison, Dahmer expressed remorse for his actions and wished for his own death. Also like, like Kemper. Little Eddie. He, this is, I love this part. He also read the Bible and declared himself a born again Christian. (laughs) Ready for his final judgment. (laughs) Which, yeah, who knows what, who knows what was, what was actually going on there. Sure. Not my, not my place to judge, but I feel like. Even God was probably like, mm. right? Kind of at that point, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter because you can't. Eh. Yeah, I mean, it does say that Jesus will save all, but like, you gotta wonder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was attacked twice by fellow inmates, with the first attempt to slice his neck open, leaving him with only superficial wounds. However, he was attacked a second time on November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four, by an inmate while they were cleaning the prison shower. Uh, Dahmer was found alive, but later died on the way to the hospital wing. So he was beaten to death in prison by fellow inmates. Yeah, that feels right. And that is the really horrific life of Jeffrey Dahmer in a nutshell. I mean, there's, I try, I kind of pared it down, but there's, there's a lot, especially with the, the details of the victims. That being said, I will read off the victims' names for you. So. A lot of them were were people of color, which is also really, really quite quite awful. So we have Stephen Hicks, Jonda Bowmill. There's also this is this is unverified, but some people think that maybe he killed Adam Walsh, John Walsh's son. Oh, um, but that's never been. It, it was around the same time, but that's never really been verified. And did you feel like he would have said it? maybe unless he just forgot unless he was in a blackout again but i don't i don't know i I, that one i don't think so i think that's a bit of a stretch uh steven tuomi james doxtor richard guerrero anthony sears raymond smith eddie smith ernest miller david thomas curtis strotter errol Lindsay, dean vaughn tony hughes konarak Synths, sorry, Konarak, Synthesmophone, Matt Turner, Jeremiah Weinberg, Oliver Lacey, Joseph Braidholft. That is kind of the sad thing with serial killers. Like the mo- like for the most part, the name that everyone remembers is theirs and like not their victims, which is kind of sad. There's also, um, so that list is, there's potentially more people that he murdered because he served in Germany during the war. Mm-hmm. So there's a good yeah. chance that he murdered there as well. And that we just don't know, but yes, yes, it was a, it's a very, it's very interesting. What, what really draws me to him is that it's a very clear why he did it. He did it to gain possession of another person, whether that be physical or, um, well, I guess it was just, it, that was really the only reason. He just wanted someone that was never going to leave him. He wanted a submissive slave or a submissive partner, someone that was just going to stay. Yeah, well, when you're dead, you have to stay, don't you? 
Can't leave. Yeah, no, you can't. That's that's true. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty uh, pretty icky. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel like I want to go I just know, sit in a tub full of white wine. When do you think like our society garnered this like weird fascination with true crime and serial killers? Because I feel like it's been recent. Uh, I think it was honestly the popularity of podcasts. I think that has really spurred because before then, you know, there's that okay, joke. Well, why about, were podcasts like, let's talk about serial killers? I mean, it is. It's really interesting because one, it makes you feel better about yourself that you're not like that two it makes you feel safe <laughs> because you're not murdered um three you feel sympathy for the the victim's families or sometimes the victim there's a lot that goes into why you are drawn to the things you're drawn to i think also have you noticed it's like millennials like we're the ones who are like this is interesting what does that say <laughs> here for a good time not, not a long time, time. <laughs> it, i think it also uh, I think a, a lot, a big thing of, about it is mental health. So many millennials are so Im- concerned with their own mental health and the mental health of everybody else that you look back in these horrific crimes and you think, well, why, why did they do that? What were they, what was going on inside their mind? And then you re- that's when you kind of really get to dissect it for me anyway. That's, that's why I find it so interesting. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? why we're so obsessed with serial killers yeah Mm, i think sometimes it's just like so far out of the realm of possibility for us that we're like wow how did someone get to that point yeah like i can't ever imagine like just just like murdering someone for funsies and then doing it again like no me neither I i also find it really fascinating like the the serial killers who are like married with families. Oh yeah, that's crazy. And and will like, yeah, like why didn't you murder your wife? Like, how did you ever get married? Yeah, cool. Because then it's like, what psychologically is going is going on? Yeah, it's weird. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And like a lot of people claim, like, you know. Like abuse, like Ted Bundy, who's overdone, which is why neither one of us did him. Oh, I'm so happy um, that neither one of us wanted to do him. You know, Ted Bundy, like, he even said, like, a lot of people want me to blame it on, like, an upbringing. But he was like, I had a great life. Like, I had very loving parents. I think, didn't he blame his on hardcore porn? No, I don't actually know what his... I don't remember. Someone did. Someone blamed theirs on hardcore porn. They were I, like, my parents are great. I usually neglect him at all costs. Yeah, he's just kind of overdone. Yeah, I don't know. I think the fascination with him is that he was so attractive and, like, suave that it was just like, how could he be a killer? I don't even think he's that attractive. Well, he was in the day. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I'm so so sorry. I've I've hit my cord, like, a lot. But I think it was all during times that you were talking, so. That's okay. We'll figure it out. Because I kept hitting it, and I was like, why don't I just put it over the computer? And then I said, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I did, too. Well, I I think this has been a good episode. All that to say, um, if you're thinking about becoming a serial killer, don't. Yeah, no, don't. It's, it's you know, it's not the time for it. Not the time for it. Don't do it. Um, it it's been done. It's been overdone. 
It's yes, it's, it's uh, yes. Fun. It's not yeah. It's not cute. It's not quiche. It's not cute. It's not cute at all. And especially yeah. if you're in the state of California, you're just going to end up in prison for the rest of your life because and, yeah. we don't have the death penalty. And you might get killed in prison. Jailhouse justice, baby. Yeah. Although good old Eddie, although he's 6'9 and people are afraid of him, still, right. still kicking. Right. Well, if you're the biggest bitch there, you, you got to, you, you mean you're not really going to get messed with. He's also too smart. Mm-hmm. He's too yeah. smart. Well, should we wrap this little puppy up? Thank you guys so much for listening. I like, what? I don't feel like this one was as fun. What? As I thought this one was great. We promise the next one will be way more fun. <laughs> this one was fun for us. <laughs> this one was depressing. <laughs> and this is what my horrified face sounds like. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> I'm going to add a sound effect in. <laughs> oh, the dog's barking. It'll be a different sound um, effect. Yeah. Day. What shall we talk about next week? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Maybe something lighter. Something lighter. (laughs) It'll be a surprise for our listeners. And for us, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Good night, Betty White. Good night, Betty White. Don't forget to follow us at A Little Something Gay Podcast. Also, please rate, subscribe, like... Uh, leave a comment on uh, wherever you. Only if it's a nice comment. No, leave a, leave a negative one too. I want to I want to hear all all sides, good and bad. And we will see you guys next week. Here's where an outro goes. <laughs>